You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. In Ecclesiastes, excuse me, chapter 5, Solomon, um, this wise man, a king, uh, a man that would take a, a real good look at life, having all of the wealth and all the wisdom and all of the resources to basically have the best of what uh, his world could afford him. He would begin to look at life and, and, and begin to see, is there any value in life? But he looked at life without God in the equation, looked at the world, took God out of the equation, and just began to assess life. And um, in chapter 4, we, we saw that you know, Solomon went to the courtroom. He looked at the court system of his day, and he just he saw all of the injustice under the sun, and he would just say, and that's just vanity. He would go to the marketplace and to the, to the highway and say to all the, 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 the people there, looking at all the hustle and bustle and just kind of size up commerce without God in the equation and go, it's just, it's, it's vanity. It's just grasping for the wind. He goes to the palace, his own palace, and thinks about just, you know, this whole monarchy and, and, and wow, even him as a king. And he realizes that, you know, a king is only on the throne for so long. Everybody likes the guy, and then a better than he will come along. They begin to like that guy, and then that guy's just gone. It's all just, it's vanity. It's grasping for the wind. But then in chapter 5, and we only got through chapter for verse 1 last time we were here, but in chapter 5, he goes to the temple. He goes to church, and um, he looks around, and no doubt as he looks around, he would see some people that are very devout and very sincere in their worship, but... There were others, as you go through the chapter, you realize that he was like, wow, they are insincere. They, they had no sense of reverence for God at all. And so he would say in verse 1, which we went through, and you can go back and listen online, but walk prudently when you go into the house of God and draw near uh, to hear rather than to give the advice of fools, for they really do not know that um, they do evil. So he begins to look at the 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 temple setting, the worship setting, and he begins to realize that those that are there, and it's, you know, God's not in the equation as it relates to them. He's just like, I see the vanity of external religion. I see the vanity of, of mindless, heartless religion. And he would look at those. Those, you know, would come in and they would, they would worship, they would pray, they would sacrifice, they would, they would make vows, and he would say, I, I see some that are just going through the motions. It's just a tradition. It's just a, 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 a ritual. And he would conclude that what they were doing was actually evil. It was evil because they were robbing God of the reverence and the honor that he deserves. Their acts of, of worship were just like mechanical and insincere and, and thus hypocritical. And he saw that. He knew that God saw that. And so... He says, when we come into this kind of setting, the house of God, we need to walk prudently. We need to walk sensibly and respectfully in, in the house of God. And so in that study, we noted, well, I'll just recap because we need to move through the chapter here. But we noted that, that in, our, in our time of worship, it needs to have, we need to have the right heart. And then there needs to be some element of sacrifice connected to it. For them, it was the offering of, of sacrifices, we don't do that anymore. We don't offer animal sacrifices to the Lord today like we did in Old Testament times, or they did, but Jesus fulfilled all of that. 
But, but, but we still do offer up sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices. We talked about giving with the right heart. And in Philippians chapter 4, that can be seen as a, a sacrifice acceptable to God. Praise and good works done with the right heart in Hebrews chapter 13 can be seen as a sacrifice of praise unto God. Good works. Good works. Just what we do for others with the right heart can be a sacrifice to God out of Hebrews 13 verse 16. Prayers that, that are offered with a right heart, with, with, with just sincere faith in Psalm 141, is like an incense that rises up as an evening sacrifice to God. Helping people come to Christ. Done that, do that with a right heart, and Paul would say in Romans 15, 16, as it related to him bringing Gentiles to the faith, leading Gentiles to the Lord. That was a, an offering that was acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Coming to God, we talked about, with a broken and contrite heart in Psalm 51, 17, was, was, was a sacrifice to God. And on and on, we went through what we saw throughout the Scripture as what can be a sacrifice to God today. Again, all done with the right heart. So walk prudently, walk sensibly, respectfully or obediently when you go into the house of God and, and draw near to hear. The idea is be ready to hear. That's the heart, the attitude of the heart. Be ready to hear. And not just hear, but obey what we hear as it relates to the word of God. Because in verse 1, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are, are evil. Sacrifices are, are no substitute for a heart that is seeking God, a heart that is desiring to come to God on his terms, a heart that is desiring to obey God. You know, offering, offerings in the hands without obedience in the heart becomes, as Solomon says, just a, a sacrifice of fools. And then he would say in verse 2, do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven, you're on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. So Solomon moves from the idea of, of, of like careless worship to careless praying, to, to express devotion to God, but our hearts aren't right, our hearts aren't in it. We, we really don't mean it. But prayer is it's serious business. It's like, like marriage. Stephanie and Dave are about to be married on Saturday. Can we hear a big old amen? I don't, I don't know if they're here. I think they're nervous and hiding, but I've uh, been looking for them. I wanted to embarrass them. But when you see them, you tell them I embarrassed them. And you tell them I was looking for them when I was preaching, too. But... They are not entering into this lightly. They are not. I had lunch with Dave today. He didn't eat. He's nervous. <laughs> but this is important. We wouldn't enter into to marriage lightly, and, and, and we shouldn't approach this relationship that we have with, with God lightly. It's a love-based relationship, and love-based relationships should never be entered into lightly. We have our 
privilege to come to God and to talk to Him. It's a privilege. If you and I were privileged to bring our needs and our requests to the White House to be heard, knowing that they would respond, we would prepare our words carefully. We would come to the White House, probably even dressed properly, not suggesting that we need to press, dress in a way that would impress God. But I think we would, we would say, wow, this is, this is a place of authority. And these people can, they are people of authority, and we would approach them with respect and, and well thought through ideas of what we would bring to them, especially if we knew that whatever concerns we had, whatever requests that we would have, like they were really going to hear us and they could really respond to us. We would never go to the White House flippantly, casually, or just blow it off. If we knew that they were like, doors wide open, we'll hear and we will respond. Well, that's who God is. It's much more powerful and significant than any man in any seat of authority on this planet. Solomon, when he looked into the temple, he did see some people that were, that were flippant. They, they just see, didn't seem to have any, any fear towards God. You know, it would be better to pray with a few words that are sincere than with many, many words that are not sincere or insincere where there is a disconnection between me and God in my heart. And we can take that into every part of worship, folks. Singing and giving and praying. And if, if our hearts and our prayers don't mean anything to us, then, then they're really not going to mean anything to God. You know, in, in years past, we started these in Sunday mornings and sometimes Wednesday nights. We have like these pre-glows where people can come early and just... And, and for years, I would lead these things. And, and, and not to point anything out in particular, but we could always sense when the time of praising God would just be going in the wrong direction. There's always people that are going to gather in settings that are going, I like the platform. I want to be heard. They just haven't grown in their relationship with God to, to, to come into a corporate setting and, and keep it about God. There's just something about our human nature that wants to make it about us, and that has a look. Just as much as coming into a worship setting like this and having people focus their eyes on God, there's a look to that. God meets us there. There's also a look to a group of people when they make it about themselves. When we pray, we got to watch out for both just hasty words and, and, and too many words. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, verse, verse 5, he says, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for, the, for they think that they would be heard for their many words. And, and this is not a Bible study on the, like, how to pray. You stand this way, you, you have this posture, you fold your hands, you say these things, you don't say these things. But there is something sincere that God is looking from us. He's looking for us to be real, to be genuine. 
And oftentimes, people will just, they change their posture when they're talking to God in, in almost a, a way that maybe someone taught them to, you know, the, you know we, we, teach, we kind of talk in modern English, but all of a sudden we talk to God and we're speaking old King James English. The these and the thou's come back. And I'm not putting that down. If that's you, please don't take that wrong. But God is not impressed with your thee or your thou. He's just not. It's not like, wow, Lance is way more reverent when he talks to me in old King James. And the other thing that doesn't impress God is if I just keep repeating the same thing over and over. Parents, what happens to us when our kids are young and they repeat the same thing over and over? It drives us crazy. Now, with God, he's going to be way more patient than any parent. But he, he gets it. He know, he's looking at our heart. And sometimes if you, you get around certain people, and I grew up in the church, I've seen people, every time they pray, they kind of pray the same thing to God. And I think it's important to cultivate your relationship with God. Cultivate that dialogue with God. Deepen it. Talk to Him. Talk to Him about many different things. Talk to Him the way that you would talk to another individual, with reverence in your heart. Believing that He's there. Believing He's listening. But don't be flippant. The secret to acceptable praying is to have a prepared heart. I know that if Somebody wants to get my undivided attention, and they, they can just pull me off to the side and get some time with me, and if they've really thought through what they're saying, and they, they just, you know, come to me with some well thought, I am, I am all ears, I am all heart. Prepared heart is important as we approach God, because the mouth speaks what the heart contains, and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we were to, to pray simply to impress ourselves or to impress others, that is not going to impress God. It was Paul Bunyan who wrote the Pilgrim's Progress who said, and I quote him, in prayer, it's better, it's better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. And that's exactly what Solomon is saying here. He if our words are not connected to our heart, and it's just, it's just empty stuff. It's empty religion. It's useless. And it's really something that's disrespectful towards the Lord. And then he gives in verse 3 this kind of, it's an analogy. For a, for a dream, he says, comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by its many words. So the idea is just as many dreams show that a person is sleeping and, and that they're, they're a hard worker, so too when a person prays with just lots of words, but the heart is not right, well, it just, Solomon says, it proves that he is a fool. Because God sees our heart. You're not impressing God. Our heart's not in it. We all have heard a, a prayer given where we might sense there, there's just no real focus on God or connecting with God. It might even be fancy. It might even be very eloquent or, you know, repetitious. But it just, there's just, there's no life in it. There's no, there's no power in it. It was Spurgeon who said, it's not the length of our prayers, but the strength of our prayers. If, you know, this, that, that, that makes the difference. The, the, this, the, the heart is what it is about. And so, 
in verse 4. Paul, Solomon has dealt with careless worship, and he's dealt with careless praying, praying to God with the wrong heart, worshiping God with the wrong heart. Now he's going to focus on careless commitments, making vows or promises to God with the wrong heart. And we'll wind it up in these few uh, verses here. Verse 4, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. It's better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there is also vanity, but fear God. It's interesting as you go through the the scriptures, you realize that Nowhere in the scriptures did God require his people to make vows in order to be accepted by him. There is really not a requirement to make a vow to God. The opportunity for people to make a vow to God was there, but it was, it was there in, in the idea that if you want to do this, you can. But the idea would be that you could express your devotion to God through that vow, like taking a, a Nazarite vow, if that was something that God had put in your heart, you could do that. You could make that commitment to God. But, but God was never looking for you to make a vow in order to impress him or in order to get approval or get in right standing with him. Deuteronomy 23, 21 through 23. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be a sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be sin to you. That which is gone from your lips, you shall keep and perform, for you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. Now, most people look at vows, and they they, 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 they realize that they're not really required by God. And they go, okay, well, why are they not required by God? It's clearly here in that scripture. It shows us they're not required by God. Well, most believe they're not required by God because vows are an expression of self-confidence. Vows are saying this, I'm making this vow. I am saying that I am going to do something in my own strength. We know that proper worship, Solomon is looking still at the house of God. Proper worship is to be all about God, focused on God, all about blessing God. And the best way to bless God is to simply obey God. <laughs> In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. You want to show me as God that you love me? Obey me. And if that's the case... We don't have to run around making all kinds of vows and promises and put ourselves under this personal pressure that we have created for ourselves. All we need to do is obey the Word of God, and He will see that as an expression of our love for Him. Jesus, again, in Matthew 5, He would say, and you've heard it said, uh, of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. 
He's like, you, you've heard them talk about these vows. And man, you, you better be just keeping your oaths to the Lord if you're going to make them. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Jesus is like, don't even be making vows. Neither to heaven or it's God's throne by earth, it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes. And your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Do you, do you catch that? God's looking at this, and he's like, look, <laughs> my word is very clear on what I want you to do and not do. My word is very clear on how you're going to approach me. My word is very clear as, as to what I want from you. Just let your yes be a yes. You've, you've heard those people that they really want you to know they really mean something. They, I swear to God, or they, they you know, I swear on my mother's, you know, whatever. They, they kind of take it to that level, and, and, and Jesus is like, hold on. You don't even make it all of these vows. I'll tell you, if, 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 if I don't do this, then, I, then this is going to happen. And you're like, hold on, hold on. If your yes is a yes, you don't have to go there. If your no is a no, you don't have to go there. And if that's true with one another, that's true with God. He sees our heart. So Solomon, he gives a couple of warnings here. Number one, making a vow to God with no intention of keeping it. In other words, that's lying to God. Don't be doing that. Number two, making a, a vow to God but delaying to repay it. And the idea here is Solomon's looking at the temple is like, you know, really, you know, they made the vow, but they're, they're really hoping that they can get out of it. Some folks might find themselves in a crisis and they start making all kinds of promises to God. Others might be moved during a worship service. I remember growing up in church and I would go to these camps and by the fifth night man I was making all these promises to God all these commitments to God man if you talk to me like the day after the camp man I'm telling you what I'd just let you know I'm all in it man and that would last for like a week well God hears what we say and he holds us to our promises most Christians I know I, I'm guilty of this I've done the Man, God, I'm going to pray more. That's what you know I'm going to be reading more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to give more. And, and, and the motives could be pure when we say it. And the motives for others might even be impure and insincere. People can make vows to impress others. I remember being part of a church when I was growing up and and. and we just were at this one church for a little while, but there was a, a big building project that they were doing, and I remember they had a service. I was a younger guy, and I just remember they were, they were kind of making these pledges, and they, I think they had the thermometer thing and the whole deal, and they were making these pledges, and, but they were throwing out these pretty large you know, numbers of money. Who's going to pledge you know, such and such? And I was watching people walk and look around, and I remember just a couple of guys competing with each other. Such and such says, give me 500 over here. You know? It was like we make these vows to God to impress others. Shouldn't be the case. There are people that will make a vow to God to try and bribe God. God, if you answer my prayer, <laughs> I will give you such and such or I will, I will do such and such. How many times do sick Christians say, God, if you just heal me, 
I will do this and that for you. But then they're healthy and they forget, what was it that I said to God? In their day, they would actually make a priest. He talks about this in verse 6. They'd, they'd come to the priest, bring this idea. Hey, listen, I'm going to be bringing this sacrifice to you. A certain goat or certain sheep or whatever it might be. They just make these like vows. This is what I'm going to be doing. Their pledge, if you will, of a sacrifice. And then with time, they begin to think about it. And they would come back to the priest and go, you know, I was just kind of speaking out of emotion back there. I just, I'm really not going to be pulling it off. I'm not going to be bringing my, my best sheep, as I said, to be sacrificed. Solomon says, don't do that, because in doing that, you're saying that you love God less than your stuff. And that can cost you, because he goes on to say in verse 6, it can ultimately lead to the loss of of all that a person worked for. Why should God, he says, be angry at, at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? It's a serious business in God's eyes. People who make these empty vows, Solomon would look at that and he would say, well, their, their worship is not sincere. Thus, their words are not really dependable. They might even enjoy the feelings of when they, they make the vow, they make the promise to God, but they have a heart problem. Their heart's not in it. Verse 7, Solomon compared such reckless, insincere vow-making to futile or meaningless dreams. What's that mean? The vows are made, but they're not really based in reality. It, it, it just, it's make-believe religion. Solomon says vows should be fulfilled in verse 4 if you do make them because there's just no pleasure in fools. Neither God nor man has any delight in men who make solemn promises, but they don't, they don't keep them. Failing to fulfill a vow would just make a person look like a fool. That's what Solomon's saying. And he's seen that even in, in the temple there or in church. As such, God would regard them with displeasure. Also, failure to fulfill them, as he looks at all of this religious activity, beginning in verse 1, he's like, this too is evil, ties it in. In verse 6, this is actually sin. And it would result in God's displeasure in verse 4 and even arouse God's anger in verse 6. And it can ultimately lead to someone losing everything that they've worked for in verse 6. And so Solomon says, as he, he does here in verse 4, if, if you have indeed made a vow to God, just, just pay what you have vowed. And he closes this section, and we'll close uh, on time, uh, with this last word, but you fear God. And for you that hung out with us in our Proverbs study, you know that, that the, when it, the Bible talks about the fear of God or fearing God, it's not this kind of trembling at God because he's going to do something that I should be afraid of. Well, the idea is talking about you reverence God. It's to revere God. And to revere God is to love God. Listen, it's important. To love God for who he is and what he has done and for what he intends to be and do in your life. That's what it means to fear God. To revere him for who he is and what he has done and what he longs to do in your life. And to obey him, of course.
It's coming to God on his terms. You guys remember that story, and I do close with this in John chapter 4, where the woman of the well came to Jesus. She was a religious woman. She was, because she wanted to talk to him about how they worship one place, and her people, the Samaritans, they, they worship in another way, in another place. She was a, a religious person, but she was also a religious person that was living with a man that was not her husband. And that woman at the well, Jesus would say, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you're not going to be on this mountain or in Jerusalem, you know, worshiping the Father. It's not about like so much a location that God is like all fixated on. Your worship, what you don't know, we worship what we what we do know, what we believe in, for salvation is of the Jews. And he brings this whole focus back to the God of the Jews. And he says, the hour is coming, and now is, right now. Because he is God, he is the Messiah, standing before her. Where, where true worshipers, and listen to this tonight, true worshipers, this is the words of Jesus, the one who deserves our worship and our praise, True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. This is how we learn to come to God on his terms. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Again, a religious woman living in sin, and it was wrong. And Jesus goes, here's the right way to worship God. It's, it's not with your mouth. It's not about that. It's not just make-believe and make-it-up-as-you-go kind of stuff. No. The Father himself is actually seeking such to worship him. Unless you get that wrong, understand who he is. He is spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit. Seek him as such. And truth. And truth, yeah, worship has to be in a way that honors him. God is spirit, and it has to be truth, based on truth, honoring the word of God. Who is he? How does he say we should approach him? How does, how does he say we can enter into a, a, a dialogue with him? Well, through his son. How is it that we can enter a relationship with him? Through his son. How can we continue to have a relationship because I'm a sinner and he's a holy, righteous God by coming to him and confessing my sins and he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. We, we come to him, this God who is spirit, and we recognize the truth of his word and we approach him on that basis. We do not make it up as we go. That's why we don't want the traditions of man to define what our service is. Our worship services should be. Don't you? Amen? If, if it was all about, like, you know, following the traditions of man, I would have come out with a big hat and a big robe, and I don't know. You guys would be, I don't know what you'd be doing, but not sitting here in shorts and sandals, you know. It would be, it'd be very rigid. It'd be very structured. It, you know, the whole thing. You know where this can go. I'll just leave it there. And on all through all that tradition that all of men have made up and said, this is how we need to come together and be religious, God stands back and looks at all of that and goes, wait a minute, I'm God who is spirit, I just love you. 
Approach me for who I am through my son and just follow my word. I've got the blueprint right there. Don't you love the fact that you don't have to go through a man to reach God? Don't you love that? How many of you guys come from a Catholic background? Raise your hand. You're like, okay. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. I am so glad that you don't have to come and confess to me. I just don't know what I'd do. I just don't know what I would do with all your information. I'd use it against you. <laughs> I just didn't know how to do with that. I'd be like, huh, what am I supposed to do now with all your stuff? And you know what? I'm just as jacked up as you are. How am I going to help you? <laughs> I'd have to say, now let me get on the other side of that booth. It's my turn. But we have one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. And we can come to him anytime. Isn't that good? That's good news. And every time you walk onto this property, you're walking onto a property that's been dedicated as his. It's prayed over all the time as his. We walk around this place, we're always praying around this place. Every time you walk in here, we've been in here worshiping, praying, setting the stage so you'd walk in and you would encounter Jesus. And anyone who walks into this place and truly opens up their heart to him will be found by him, touched by him, and will not be left the same. He'll meet with your needs, whatever they are. And, and, and he's not looking at your hair length, your dress length. He's not, he's not looking at, trust me, I've had a number of people, you know, come up to me and talk to me about my dress code here at the church. And I, I, I've had to walk through some of the reasons why I look at it, you know, it just I'm really not impressed with what you're wearing. And I just hope you get past what I'm wearing because I know God is. And if we could just get to that, right, like it's about him. It's about him, not what you're wearing or what I'm wearing or your hair length or my hair length. None of that impresses God. None of that. And none of that, by the way, should be a distraction in corporate worship. We need to think about that as well. When we come together, we should come together in such a way where we're helping each other focus on God. And that's why I think many of you are coming to a Bible-teaching church. The Word of God is going to direct us and lead us. We're going to find Him. We're going to encounter Him. We're going to be changed by Him. And we're going to bless Him because we've come with the right heart. And if you find yourself in, in maybe one of these conditions, you've just been a little flippant, careless in your worship. Maybe, you know, for some of you, and, and I'm, I'm just going to say in our day and age, worship can be that, that, that time that you get here, that time that you check your kids in, that time that it can just be something far different than what God desires it to be. I'm just going to leave it there. It just can be. I've, I've come to church sometimes in the first half of worship, I'm just trying to pull my mind together and focus on the Lord. It's one of the reasons I sit in the very front, by the way. I just don't want the distractions. I just don't want to think about anybody. I just want to think about him. Maybe some of you have been a little careless in that area. I don't know. Maybe you've been a little careless in just praying. Your, your, your prayer life is reduced to, like, food and, and, and getting in the car. And, and just when something, like, bad happens, or maybe it's a list. I got the list. This is what I pray about. I'd be so weird if my girls just came up to me and go, well, today's Tuesday, and I talked to my dad about this on Tuesday. Or I just talked to my dad at this time every day, and I only talked to him about these three things and nothing else. That'd be weird. I'd be going, we got an issue here. 
Or if, I, if my girls were just flippant and careless as they talked to me. There was no thought in it. Their heart wasn't in it. How about if it was out of obligation? They were talking to me only because someone else told them to talk to me. That's what religion does. Maybe some have been careless in just commitments to the Lord. Maybe there's things God's asking you to do or, 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 or whatnot. You've been careless with that. Or maybe there's things you've said to the Lord that you're scratching your head going, that's me. I've made these kind of statements to God. What do I do now? Keep them. You, you read what I just read. Keep them. Be faithful with that. If you went off the hook, you talk to God about that. He'll let you know if you're off the hook. But I think this, this is good for a church like ours to, to visit the reverent thing as it comes to the corporate setting. Isn't it good? It's good. It's good for us. And, and I, I think with, with that, it's, it's time. We've got to get some people baptized. So, Father, thank you. This is a good part of your word here that we've been in, and we pray that we would honor you with our reverence and with the right worship and, and, and praise in our prayers, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.